And Lord God, we thank you so much for your word and the truth that is there. And God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to help us uh, have understanding, to learn and to grow, God, uh, to really understand how we got so messed up as human beings. And as we come into this passage at the same time, Lord, we understand that you give us these things to show us our need for you, Jesus Christ, that we need you, God. We're so lost in our sins and in our fallen state, God, that you came to rescue us. And it's nothing that we did. It's all that you have done because you love us. It was all in love. And so, Lord, I pray you bless your word, anoint it, God, with your Holy Spirit, and we give it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I saw this, this headline on, on this online article, and it, and, and it made me laugh because uh, it went like this. This headline said, Frozen 2, even Elsa is sick of let it go. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yes, you know, we're talking about that song from Frozen 1, the first movie. It won a Grammy, it was an international hit. U.S. sold three and a half million copies. I mean, it was, it was a big song that it was being played over and over and over again uh, while parents, like, hit their head on the desk, right? I mean, it was just one of those songs that spin around in your head and just don't get out of your head. I haven't seen Frozen 2 myself. My kids are adults now, and so we're not, like, following, you know, these movies as much. But supposedly Elsa has this flashback of that song, and it just makes her cringe. I think it's a little comic thing for uh, parents who had those song, that song, Let It Go, you know, going around in their head. Now, <clears throat> I was thinking about that. Did you know that songs like that, that play in your head over and over, you know what they're technically called? They're called earworms. <laughs> earworms. They get inside there and infect your brain, I guess. And I, and I saw this article that the University of Montreal are using like MRI technology and something they call transcranial magnetic stimulation to study how these songs infect our minds, our brains, and then just keep going over and over. I thought that was interesting. But they do say in the meantime, the recommendation is how to get rid of these songs. Well, chew gum or play crossword puzzles. I thought, I don't know, that'll really help. Or at the risk of starting another endless loop in your head, you can play another catchy song <laughs> to replace that. So maybe it's like, it's a small world, right? Or who let the dogs out? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, see, now it's rolling in your mind. Now I got it. Well, with that, maybe finally you can let it go. <laughs> that was a joke. But anyway, did you know that God also let it go. Today in our passage, as we finish up the Romans 1, in, in our passage in Romans 1, Paul explains what happens when God gives over to the world to go on into their sin. Today we're going to see this, when God lets go. And that's the title of our message this morning, when God lets go. It's a pretty heavy passage here, and we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1 from verse 24 through 32. Last time we ended in verse 23, now we're going to pick it up, finish this chapter in our study here through the book of Romans. Now, 
we're going to see three things here. And really, our passage is broken up easily on verse 24, where it says, God gave them up. And then in verse 26, it says, the, for this reason, God gave them up. And again, in verse uh, 28, God gave, gives them up. And so this is our outline, basically. It's, it's sectioned in our passage in this way. And so when God lets go, the world actually spirals out or spirals down into these three things, and that's what we're going to see. Number one, shameless desires. Number two, shameless deviant. And number three, shameless depravity. So those are the three, thing, three things we're going to see. Shameless uh, desires, shameless deviant, and shameless depravity. And that's what's going to happen. This is what Paul lays out for us. That's what happens, I should say, when God lets go. So let's begin. Number one in our outline, and really our point is shameless desires. Shameless desires. When God lets go, the world just spins out, spirals down into shameless desires. Now here we're going to cover verse 24 and verse 25 in this section. And let's take a look at that right now. Romans 1, verse 24 reads, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We'll stop right there. Now we begin in this section in verse 24 with this one word, therefore. And we know, therefore, is a conjunction, we call that in our English language. I only remember that from that schoolhouse song, you know, uh, a rock song, conjunction, junction, what's your function? I, I learned, oh, that's, it's a big word to me, but it is a, a, a word that connects us, right, from what is before and what is after. A lot of Bible teachers say, well, when you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, why is it therefore? Well, it, it connects, yeah, to what Paul had been talking about earlier. It connects to what we saw last week. If you missed the message, catch it on YouTube or a podcast. And you remember the title last week was How the World Got So Messed Up. So Paul's connecting what we found last week in the uh, passage above us. We saw that the world, they refused the truth of God, about God, who he is. So we, we saw that the world rejected the evidence in creation. We saw the world had redefined right thinking. When rejecting God and all that, then they would redefine what is true, what is good, what is, what is not. And lastly, we saw last week how they replaced God with religion as they made idols and started worshiping that because they had rejected God. So because of all that, Paul's saying, Therefore, he's saying, therefore, because the world ran away from God and the truth, you know what happened? Here's what happened. They stepped farther down into this fallen state. They, they really hit bottom here, what we're going to see in this passage. And God let them go to do that. And we're going to see that in a moment. So Paul's saying, therefore, after all these things, they just kept progressing downward, spiraling down, uh, spinning out in their sin. Now, let me remind you of something before we go on. Paul is showing us the state we as sinners 
are in before Jesus Christ. That, that's what he's doing. We are under, verse 18, remember, God's wrath, his judgment. We, we talked about that last week as we started last Sunday. So Paul's kind of expanding on, on the state, this fallen state that we're in, and that's what he's really talking about. And, and listen, when, especially when we get into this passage here, and I mentioned this last week, it's not like Paul is coming down on us in some puritanical, woe is you, hellfire talk. That's not what he's doing. He wants to show us our need for Jesus Christ. We learn in verse 16 and 17 that the gospel is the power of salvation, that we are unrighteousness and God brings righteousness by faith into our lives. We could be made right with God. We can have eternal life. And so when we got into verse 18, we got into, right, the meat and rice, yeah, of this book the, uh, from verse 1 through 17 was really the introduction. But now he's getting into the meat. And as he comes into this, he's not like coming down on people in some legalistic way and you're so bad. No, he's just laying reality on the line and saying, look, we need Jesus. And here's why. Here's why. Remember, the, the word gospel means good news right and that's the good news of salvation in christ jesus but before news can be good right we got to realize how bad things really are so i want you to kind of set that in 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 with that idea as we move into this passage all right so it goes on after therefore therefore god gave them now, gave them up, give up, basically means he hands over into the power or practice of something else. That's what that means. When you hand over uh, into the power or practice of something else. So here, God gives them over to what? Their sinfulness. He just says, okay, go. Think about it this way. The world leaves God. We saw that they refused God in the truth, right? We saw they rejected, they redefined, they replaced God. So God says, okay, go ahead. The world leaves God, so God leaves them to themselves, to their own sinfulness. Thus, God lets go, the title of our message. In Psalm 81, verse 11 through 12, it reads like this. But my people did not listen to my voice. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. So as God did with Israel, and that's right, he's talking about Israel. Israel strayed away from God. God said, okay, go ahead. You're not listening to me. You're not submitting. Then he gave them over to their stubbornness, to their stubborn hearts, to their own what I want to do, what I want to do, what I think is right, what I think it should be. That's what God did with Israel. Well, as Israel did, the world deserted God. And so God deserted the world to what they want, what they wanted, what they want to receive. And, and, and here's a note. God knows the consequences. We understand, right? There's consequences to bad choices. There's consequences to sin. So in a way, we kind of dig our own pit, right? We kind of make our own suffering in our consequences. And many commentators say, yeah, well, that connects to verse 18 for the wrath that God has seen. That, that when we come to verse 24, it's like, yeah, God let them go. And they're going to suffer consequences for their sin. And that's part of God's judgment on them by allowing them to go 
uh, suffer in their own consequences. So that, that's, a, that's a note, that's a thought. But the world leaves God, so God leaves them to their own sinfulness and, and just lets them go. Okay, go, go, go on ahead. Well, here Paul goes on and says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So the rest of 24, Paul kind of lays out God let them go into what? To the lust that's in their heart. The word lust in the Bible is really a, means a sh- very strong craving. Now, uh, it could be a, a, a strong desire for money. Yeah. It could be a strong desire for material goods. But here, specifically, Paul gets into, uh, gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And the word impurity in original language really speaks of sexual immorality. That's what Paul's getting to here. That in this fallen state that the world is spinning down into, that there's a lot of sexual impurity that's going on. And, and notice he says, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So that's really zeroing in as he says that. The NLT says they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. So when sin takes its course, it, it, it goes down that, this path. It spins out into this path. When God let them go to do whatever they wanted, the result was basically this immoral lifestyle where the world shamelessly dishonors God by going outside what was intended to be with their bodies. So you understand, Paul's kind of setting this up in this sexual immorality that the world spins into. And it's not what God had created. It's not what God had intended. Now the Bible tells us, like in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, that the will of God is to abstain from sexual immorality. We're not to do that. The old King James word, I'm reading out the ESV, ESV, but the old King James word is, fornication and we've defined fornication as as sex before marriage well that's a sin that's dishonoring god dishonoring what we're supposed to be what our bodies were supposed to do the bible also says in hebrews 13 4 to honor marriage to let the marriage bed be undefiled then it goes on in that verse to not be adulterous not to commit adultery adultery we know is is sex outside of marriage uh, sleeping with someone who you're not married to when you're married and that is a sin and this is all what's included here in what paul is saying in verse 24 romans 12 that one that it dishonors god it, it dishonors even how we're we're built, how we're, we're supposed to be, how we're createdly, created. So shamelessly, the world perverts really God's gift of sex and marriage. That, that, that's what's happening. God created it. He created Adam and Eve. Go, be fruitful, multiply. That, God made all of that. And so sin in this fallen state unseats what love is supposed to be and bring sex down to the level of lust. So that's what Paul is unfolding here. Now, uh, why is this happening? Well, in verse 25, he kind of brings in what he's been talking about since verse 18. He says, verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. 
So how did this happen? Well, because what they traded the truth of God, right? They refused it. They rejected God. They redefined what truth is. They replaced God. They exchanged. They traded the truth for the lie. And here, I, I believe one uh, commentator was talking about, it's not a lie, but the lie. The lie that we know, that we think we know, that uh, we know better than God. That lie. And so that wrong thinking, Right, that we saw in our third point, how they we they we uh, the world redefines right thinking. We exchange it for what we think is right, and why is that? Because you know what's more important is to satisfy our sinful flesh. So basically, it's like we make excuses. Yeah, they say, "Well, I'm, I like this, and I don't like what God says, so I'm going to justify what I do." And so they did that. They went on and they. Worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And we talked a lot about that last week when they rejected the evidence of the creator in this world, right? And so they made idols back in, you know, verse 23 to justify their life, their lifestyle, to make it okay. Why? Because we didn't want any accountability, to a creator. If we really have a creator, then we're accountable in, in what he made and how he made us. So we pushed that away. And I was thinking where Paul says specifically here in verse 25, uh, where they worship and serve the creature than the creator. And, I, and what popped in my mind was what we talked about last week is evolution. I mean, think about evolution. Uh, evolution worships the creation, right? Oh, it made itself. It came together in itself rather than worshiping and serving the creator. So this is how messed up the world is. This is how, how, how the world is spinning, spiraling down to this level of, of this fallen state. We're, or we're making excuses for sin. We're trading the truth for a lie. Where you know what, uh, uh, sexual morality is is there's excuses for that now. But notice at the end of verse twenty five, Paul kind of puts in there that um, serve the creature rather than, than the Creator. Then he has this, who is blessed forever. Amen. You know why he does that? He says, no matter what you do with God, if you, if you write him out of the picture, right? It doesn't change who he is. He's blessed. He's God. He is the creator. What? Forever. Eternally. You can't push God out and say he doesn't exist. No, he's still there. He's always still going to be there. So Paul's saying, hey, remember this, you guys. <laughs> remember this. So here's the idea. Since, therefore, the world rejected God's truth, God let the world go with the lies. And in, in context of this verse, that sexual immorality is okay. That's all right. It's okay. We, well, you know, our society accepts that. I mean, think about, don't we see this in movies and TVs, TV shows today? I mean, what is accept, you know, what's accepted now? All this kind of stuff. What once was so wrong, now it's okay. And, and what, what, was, what was bad, ah, it's okay. This is the way it is, you know. This is, this is life, right? Verse 21, 22 in this chapter, remember the heading, what the point was, that the world redefined right thinking, yeah? Redefined that right thinking. Isaiah five twenty. remember Israel called evil good. 
and called good evil. Israel called darkness light, and light was darkness. Everything got switched around, and that's exactly what Paul is expounding on here. So what I want you to see here is that God lets go and lets the world spiral down into its shameless desires in sexual immorality. The shameless desires in sexual immorality. I, I, was, I was thinking about this. I mean, God says, okay, go. You want this? Then go. Go for it, you know. And that's how the world spins out. Because when you're given what you want, right, what are we going to do? Because we, everyone has that sinful nature inside of us, that sinful flesh. Think about what happens if you let a toddler eat whatever they want, yeah? Oh, candy, ice cream, yeah, all the time, every meal, every day. But what's going to happen to the, the nutrition? There's no nutrition. What's going to happen to their physical body? Well, that's, that's the idea. What do you expect? God says, go ahead. What's going to happen to the world? They're going to hit bottom in this fallen state. They're going to go down spiritually, morally, in every which way because of this sin nature. That's what happens to a society left to themselves. Think, think about this. One day, you guys, the church, one day soon, I should say, the church will be raptured, will be taken up into heaven. And you know what? First uh, uh, Thessalonians talks about that the, the Holy Spirit is in the church. And when the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit called the restrainer will be taken away. And you know what happens? All kinds of evil is going to come out. In our study in the book of Revelation, we saw that. The world just goes, oh, even more worse, spins more out of control, more darkness, more evil, more wickedness, accepting, accepting the Antichrist and everything he stands for to a point where they're worshiping the devil and the Antichrist and holding their fists up to God. That's how bad it's going to get. Why? Because the restrainer, the Holy Spirit in the church is taken out. And then the world can do anything it wants to do. Have you pushed God away? Maybe God's allowed you to suffer consequences. But you know, when you hit bottom, you're going to see your need for Jesus. You're going to see your need for Jesus. So what we see when God lets go, the world spins into their shameless desires. Shameless desire. Well, the second thing happens as we go on in this passage. Number two, shameless deviant. Shameless deviant. Verse 26 and 27. Let's take a look at this. It reads here, For this reason, here we go again, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, Paul goes on and here's this spinning now, you know, here's a spiral down, and this is bottom, you guys, this, this is hitting bottom in the fallen state, and so Paul says, look, for this reason, God gave them up, because they re refused the truth of God, they refused, rejected, redefined, and replaced God, and so God said, okay, go ahead, 
God let it go. God let them go. So God gave them up to a dishonorable passion. So uh, that means like disgraceful desires, offensive desires, even disgusting desires. That's kind of feel of what Paul is writing. And what was that? Well, we read here, for women exchange their natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. They, they traded, they exchanged being with men to what's unnatural, to what's contrary to how God created women. It's contrary to what the, what's natural, what nature, how God created a, a, a man and woman, rather than laying with a woman, laying with a man, the women laid with women. You know what this clearly is talking about is that women were having sex with other women. You understand that? It's pretty plain here. And then he goes on here that in verse 27, and the men likewise. So in the same way, they gave up their natural relations where men should lay with women. They gave that, that up. They traded that. They're spiraling. The sin is spiraling down. And they were consumed with passion. Again, this, this, this disgraceful, offensive desire to lay with one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. And so it's very clear. Men did what was unnatural, just like what the women did. Of how con- It's contrary to how God created women. It's contrary to how God created men. And here we, it clearly means men also having sex with other men. So it's very clear what we're talking about. We're talking about homosexuality, right? So Paul is, is putting forth this right here in these two scriptures. Now in verse Uh, 27, he says, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So uh, here, it it comes with a consequence, all this. And some commentators are like, well, maybe it's STDs or maybe it's it's AIDS, those consequences. But anyway, either way, there is a, uh, uh, a consequence of being held accountable when you stand before God. So what is at the bottom of this fallen state? Well, women laying with women, men laying with men. That, that's what it is. It's pretty straightforward and plain here. Now, take a note. Take note here that Paul uses the Greek word here for female and male. So even more so, he's stating how the creator created human beings in strong biological terms, female, male. It's, it's, it's really about that. Even uh, Jesus in Matthew 19.4, Jesus himself speaks about Genesis and how uh, uh, you know, we're married and um, men and women and all that. But he, in, in Matthew 19.4, he talks about how God made the same terms, male and male female in biological terms and note that there's no third gender mentioned in the bible this is how god created everything so the idea here is this paul says this the world hits bottom here in this fallen state when they go against how god created male and female that's what that's what he's talking about here pretty plain and simple and clear. Now, uh, what's written here in Romans chapter 1, it's not just here. 
Yeah, we know in the law of Moses in Leviticus 18.22, Leviticus 20.13, that, that God's saying it's a sin. I mean, if, if you found, find someone like that, they are to be put to death. There's warnings in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, and 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. Warnings of this sin and being judged by God. And I know what I'm saying right now. I know these verses totally goes against our society today. But it's not me. It's the word. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? <laughs> Look it up yourself. Study it yourself. It's not me. And, and, and again, don't, don't approach this. Don't receive this as some, like, prudish old thinking. Yeah, oh, you know, Bible isn't relevant. It's so old. It's so ancient. Don't think about that some prudish old thinking that, that, that doesn't understand our modern world today. Some people think that. But, you know, I see in the Bible how Sodom and Gomorrah spiraled out into sin, and they were judged. Uh, throughout the history of the world, we've seen the same thing in Greek culture. And, and even Paul, he lived in Roman times, Roman ancient times. Yeah? And even in Roman times, it was prevalent. It was, this isn't like, oh, well, he's against. No, it, it's been going on for ages. It's not some modern kind of thing and thinking. I mean, if you think about it, during Rome, uh, Paul's time, Rome was messed up. Matter of fact, Caesar Nero was super messed up in his sin. I mean, here's, here's a, a guy sitting on top of the world. He's Caesar. He's, he's the head of the, of, of the world, the most powerful empire of the world. He could do anything he likes. Yeah? He, he has money. He has power. He has position. And he does whatever he likes. You know what he does? Oh, he gets into orgies. He gets into pedophile. He, he, he would force senators' wives, basically rape them. And you know what? He murdered his wife and married his servant boy. Now, I was reading, he even wore a, like a, a bridal gown kind of thing. That, that's how messed up. History shows that, that the bottom of the fallen state looks like this, you guys. This is what it looks like. So God lets go and lets the world fall into its shameless deviant from how God made male and female. Do you understand that? This is how far the world spins out. This is how low it goes. You know, one time, I remember I was watching TV news and, and a, a guy there says, oh, it's, it's natural for me, you know. Uh, uh, liking this man and all this homosexual stuff. Oh, I always felt that I was born this way. This is, this is natural. But the word is clear. It's not natural. It's not according to nature and how God created. It's not God's design. And let me say this. Our society makes an issue for homosexuality as what? Discrimination. Yeah. Kind of like a, a, a race issue. But as I read this in Romans 1, it's a moral issue. It's not discrimination. It's not a, a, a race or I'm this way kind of thing. No, it's a moral issue. Understand something here. What we're reading in verse 26 and 27 is sandwiched 
between a list of sins, a list of unrighteousness, if you think about it, right? At the first part, last week we saw 18 and 23, that, hey, uh, the world is unrighteous. Why? Well, they're under the judgment of God. Why? Because they refused the truth, they rejected God, they, they redefined what's good and bad, and, and, and they replaced God. And then they, they got into sexual immorality. Well, what's the next thing on the list? Homosexuality. And then afterwards, right, we're going to see in a moment, verse 28 to the end, Paul just puts this huge list of sins, of personal and relational sins. And so here, understand that this is sandwiched, right, in between this list of of, of things. So it's not about discrimination. It's not about race, but it is a moral sin. Now, here's what's important to know, though in all of this, is that God loves the sinner and hates the sin. So God loves the homosexual as much as, you know what, he loves me. I'm not putting myself above anyone or anybody or any sin. I have my issues. I have my issues, yeah? Do you know that that pride is sin? I have those issues, yeah? How about disobedience? That's a sin too. Uh, uh, the sin of unforgiveness, hatred, anger, all these things, they're sins. And we all have our issue. And let me say, if any believer in Jesus turned their nose down upon a homosexual, then they are not loving others like God loves others. And that's a sin. We're, we're, we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, All is fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm not putting myself uh, above anybody. And when, when we're talking about things, we've got to remember that it's a sin, just like we've all sinned, just like our sinful flesh has brought us into our fallen state. So you know what? We've got to pray. We've got to pray for family, friends caught up in this. Not have like a holier-than-thou kind of attitude and dishonor God. But for me, it's, it's like, um, I remember hearing Elizabeth Elliot say this. I think she was quoting someone else. But she said it this way. She says, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's the idea. I'm a sinner telling another sinner where to be, uh, find salvation, where to find love, where to find God. That's what it is, you guys. All right, so when God lets go, the world spins into this shameless desire, shameless uh, deviant. And then number three, our last thing is a shameless depravity. Shameless depravity. And here we go into verse 28 all the way to the end. But let's take a look first at the uh, first verse and part of the second verse here. In verse 28, says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, here it is, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil. And we'll stop right there. So again, we see God gave them up. God, when God lets go, what happens? Well, here's this third section. That first of all, that 
God gave them up because they didn't acknowledge God. It just kind of goes back to what I've been saying. They refused, they rejected, they redefined, they replaced. They, you know, they didn't want God. They pushed God away. They shunned God. So God said, okay, go ahead. And they got even more corrupted in themselves. And here specifically, he says, God gave them up to a debased mind. The NASB translates that the depraved mind. So that's where I get our heading here, shameless depravity. So we understand what you think in your mind, you end up, what, doing, right? And what you do, that's what you become. So these, the world's spinning out even more, hitting bottom in this fallen state, and they're very depraved. And, and it's like your brain gets infected and disease and comes all the way into your body and your actions and how you live. And you, and you do things that you, sh- you should not do. It's, it's filled with, uh, Paul says, all manner of unrighteousness, like wicked and e- wickedness and evil, that unrighteous things that are not right before God and things that are evil like what the devil likes. So their lives become full of Every kind of wickedness, evil, in this personal, relational way. All right, so Paul then like rattles off this big list of of this infected character of the world hitting the bottom of this fallen state. So he goes on here, and we're just going to run through this quickly here. He he says in uh, verse 29, after evil, he says, covetousness. Now, that, that's like wanting something, desiring something, like greed, more than what you have. You're never satisfied. You just want, 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 want. You're never content in the Lord. Then he says next here, he says, uh, um, where, my eye has uh, covetous malice. He says malice now. It, it means uh, like full of hate, gripped with hate. Uh, he says they are full of envy. Um, that's, again, wanting more, wanting more, envious, wanting what something else has. Murder, yeah, killing someone like it's nothing. If you think about, look at our world today. It just seems like it's more and more shootings that are going on. Um, There's strife, which is being argumentative, uh, fighting all the time, always wanting to, to be angry and be at someone. Deceit is, uh, uh, it means like laying a trap. And a lot of times that even speaks of being uh, vengeful and, and all that way. But deceiving each other, cheating each other. Maliciousness is doing hateful things to hurt someone. They are gossips, it says. And we know that. You get off on talking stink about others. Slanders, putting them down. Haters of God, verse 30 says. Like intentionally doing things to go against God because you hate God. How sad is that? Uh, insolent means being hostile. Uh, you, we see so much abusiveness going on in families and uh, workplaces. Haughty, boastful, we know haughty is like um, being arrogant, right? Being above someone else, boastful, always making it you know, about you, uh, pride, everything like that. I was thinking about how Amy Carmichael said, those who think too much of themselves don't think enough. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, inventors of evil, like innovated in doing sinful things, yeah, getting good at, you know. I mean, I, I remember hearing uh, testimonies of people who 
were into drug abuse and getting out that, oh, yeah, I got good at sinning. You know, I could be secret. I could, I know where to get stuff. I mean, we get so innovative with our sin. That, that's what it's talking about. And then he says, a disobedient to parents, no respect for parents, no honoring them, uh, just into doing their own thing. And then foolish, not wanting the wisdom of God. Just, just again, what we've been talking about. Uh, uh, just wanting what we want, thinking that that is what is is important. Faithless, like uh, being unfaithful. That's really the uh, the idea here. Like unreliable in that way. Heartless and ruthless. Being inhuman, unloving, and 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 not showing any heart. Being unmerciful. I mean, being scary in that sense. And so Paul goes on saying that though in verse thirty one. Uh, 32, sorry, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So in this fallen, hitting bottom state, I mean, in the back of your mind, you know it's wrong. I mean, uh, the conscience can get seared where where we don't think it's wrong, we don't even listen to the conscience anymore, but way back there, there's still that little tiny voice, yeah? Hey, this is not right. We, we have that, that sense. And, and, and in that sense, I've talked to people, right? We've talked to people who, oh, well, I don't know if I deserve to go to heaven. We have that, this little tiny sense. Well, they know that, but they kept doing that. They not only do, but they give approval for others doing the same thing. I was thinking about what was the big event in Rome during this time. Yeah, go to the Colosseum and see people get killed for entertainment. No regard to life, a human being. And so all this Sadly, the idea, Paul saying, you know what, this becomes the normal. This is the new reality, so to speak. This fallen state, they've spun so down, hitting the bottom here, that it's like, yeah, we're into this. Well, I, well we give approval to others in this. And that's like the new reality. This um, William Jenkins, an old Puritan, wrote, to forsake Christ for the world is to leave a treasure for a trifle, eternity for a moment, reality for a shadow. And that's what's going on. That's what happens when God gives the world over to just do whatever they want in their sin. So our last point is this. God lets go and lets the world fall into its shameless depravity. And I put it this way, a cesspool of wickedness. If you think about it, that's what it is. I was thinking about how, unfortunately, some people uh, get septic, right? When, when the poisons and the bad things and bacteria in your body start to go into your organs and into your limbs, and that, that, that's, you know, they get uh, uh, septic in that way. And, and that's that infection. That's what's going on in this world, is that People are infected with this sin and they're just allowing to spread through all their body. And they're enjoying it. They're thinking that, oh, this is great. But it's just this, this plate of, of gross things. And I was thinking about that. <clears throat> One time, I almost ate worms. I almost ate worms. It was inside a plate of spaghetti. 
uh, long time ago, I was teaching at a youth camp, and um, <clears throat> the youth leader, uh, during a session, um, we were kind of walking around talking story, and, and uh, uh, we found a big frog about this big. And just as a joke, um, we put it in the sleeping bag of his sister, who was attending camp. And we, it was funny for us to hear the screams. But the next day, <laughs> they got back at us. And, and uh, we were sitting. They said, oh, go, go sit down. We'll bring you the food. And we're in line for get food. And oh, no. I thought, oh, how nice. They're so nice, you know. And we were in a deep, I don't know, theological probably conversation or something. And, and they put the plate down. And I, I had my fork. I'm kind of going like this, you know, mixing in everything. And, and all of a sudden, at the corner of my eye, I caught the noodles moving. I was like, what? And I looked closer, and there was these, I mean, we were up at, in the mountains, so the worms were really long, and, and they were, like, moving. And it was mixed in with the, the spaghetti noodles. And I was like, ah! And I was so glad, because I'll just mix and just eat, yeah? I was so glad I caught it, because I would have ate it. I would have ate the worms. And all of a sudden... You know, you hear everyone laughing. And yeah, so we, we, they got back at us. I almost ate worms. But listen, that's what happens when you refuse the truth, when you reject God. When you re- redefine right thinking, when you replace God with your own kind of things, that's, that's what happens. God says, okay, go ahead. You want this? Go ahead. And you're sitting there with this plate of, of grow, all kinds of gross things. And you're eating it. And you know who's laughing? Satan. He's laughing. He's like, yeah, they think that's good. They think that's great. And you're falling into his deception. Well, we're going to close here and, and move into our time of communion. But, but let me say this as we close. Though God gave the world over to what they wanted, God didn't stop reaching out to the world, right? He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, that we can be forgiven, that he could rescue us from this fallen state. And because of Jesus in our life, there's hope, you guys, for all sinners. Me too. I'm not perfect. Before Jesus in my life, I really wasn't perfect. There's hope in Jesus. You know, after all the lists of sins in 1 Corinthians 6, which actually include the word homosexuality in there. You know what Paul writes in verse 11, chapter, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians? He says, And such were some of you. But you guys aren't anymore. Why? Because he goes on, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus saves us, you guys. We know God's heart. Know that today, that, that he sent Jesus. Know that, yeah, he'll, he'll let us go sometimes. But you know what his heart is? It's hope that we'll hit bottom of that fallen state. And we'll call out to God. The psalmist said in Psalm 1971, this is the NLT, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. It gets our attention. We see our need for Jesus. So God, yeah, he may let us go. He may abandon us to sin. But it's not like he's like, oh, forget it. No more then. 
No, he's hoping for us to call out. God's heart for all the sinners is that he desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2.4. So don't get the wrong impression here in Romans 1. This, this is not so much this fire in God's eyes, right? But it's tears, really. As the truth is, this is what the fallen state looks like. Did you know when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, He wept, it says in Luke 19. He saw her rejection. And it says in Luke 19, 41, it says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from you. He wept for the city, for the Jews there. That's God's heart. So see the tears of God over the hardness of our heart in the fallen state of sin. I'll close with this. This young girl was lost, uh, living a messed up life of sin in the world. And she, she heard a good Christian friend lay dying, so the young girl rushed over to her. The friend couldn't speak at this time, but with her last ounce of strength, lifted up her hand and pointed to heaven. This young girl knew what that was, knew that this was a plea for the young girl to meet her friend there in heaven. As the friend pointed up, a tear fell on her cheek and stayed there, and then she passed away. The young girl later testified this, saying, that tear, I couldn't get away from it. The image of it followed me everywhere I went, day and night. That one tear on a cold face in death is what brought me to the Lord. Imagine God, imagine Jesus looking over Jerusalem and the tear on his face over the people of Israel. See, these truths that we read in Romans 1, they're given in love. They're given with compassion. They show us our, the need, why we need Jesus. They show us what happens to us when we push God away. They show us what happened in sin for us when God lets go. Let's pray. Lord, as we move into our time of communion, God, we're reminded of what you've done, Lord, on the cross. And Lord, as we do that, we want to, God, remember that you died for our sins, every one of us, God. Lord, we don't want this to be just some ritual we do, but we want this to be, Lord, a holy moment as we remember and commemorate how in your love you died on a cross for us and that we were just as messed up, Lord, as what we've been reading here in Romans, that we are part of that, God, this fallen state that Jesus, you rescued us. So, God, Hear us, see our hearts now as we partake in communion together. In Jesus' name, amen.